to, Josh. This is time has passed. Time has passed. Actually, I put on my glasses to signify that I got older. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> for those of you guys that listened older. to last week's podcast, this was not recorded the same day as as no. the last week's podcast. You can tell because Austin is wearing his glasses, and, and we have. Uh, Six less donuts. Yes, in and, the box that they Alex started with. And Alex has shrunk considerably. I'm not yeah. sure what that means for his health. But, but. Hey, you know, osteoporosis is a serious condition. I don't think okay. that's what does it. I don't think that's it. So the most ridiculous start I've ever seen. So real quick, uh, we'll get us uh, introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Austin Fury. I'm Stefan Ostergren. I'm Josh Scott. And I'm Josh Bixler. We're all here. We did it again. We did it. We said we were going to do two podcasts in and a row. We, we meant it. We meant it. We are we are people of the truth. So next time you hear us, time will actually have passed. Yes. But, um, <laughs> we, about two weeks. Yeah, about two weeks. <laughs> so we wanted to talk about, uh, probably as appropriate as a, as a separate podcast, we wanted to talk about an awesome experience that we had at Oshkosh. Oh, man, was it awesome. And this was our, um, not all of our first times attending Oshkosh, but... It was definitely um, all of our first times uh, exhibiting at Oshkosh. Mm-hmm. And uh, they treated us really nice. Oh, EAA. They treated us really nice. <laughs> they did. They did. Uh, <clears throat> the EAA gave us an amazing spot. Um, we were allowed to be in the innovations area. And uh, that's a enclosed. I, I was honestly thinking grass, no air conditioning. Air it conditioning. Was, it was enclosed, air conditioned, and beautiful. And we got to be by some of the most amazing people. So uh, yeah. it was nice. And it definitely uh, it was off the world's busiest week ever <laughs> actually i think it, it i think it was the be yeah exactly we we're coming right off the flight fast we went right into right into oshkosh and well there's you know, a manufacturing camp that we did before between oh my two. gosh yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> 50 about kids at the buckeye that. career center yes yeah we got to uh at the buckeye career center do a manufacturing camp and we had uh, sparrows flying everywhere and uh, it was it was a real special time we got the Build sparrows with kids fly but then the following day was a family day uh, at a manufacturing camp and lauren international put that on uh, we actually, I, I selfishly drove to the event in an RV and, and then left from that to go to Oshkosh with you guys. So, <laughs> yeah, so we basically had a flight fast, we had a mini flight fast, mm-hmm. and then we left that day for EAA. And we drove about five hours and then took a break, and then the next day I uh, drove the rest of five hours. But yeah, just going to Oshkosh, I mean, I, um, I used to go as a kid, you know, with my family mm-hmm. as a vacation. We, we went quite a few years, but it'd been about 10 years since I'd been back. And holy cow, a lot has changed. Yeah, I there's an infrastructure there that's just humbling. They got it down to a science there. They really did. I mean, it's such a well-honed event. Yeah, I saw, I saw their total was uh, they had 500,000, uh, 563,000 people there. And you would not guess it. I mean, obviously, it always feels like there's a ton of people there. Mm. But you would not guess it would be that number based on how well they manage it and how well it, it's run. Thousands, what, 10,000 plus planes? Yeah, yep, 10,000 plus planes. Just really remarkable. Yeah, pretty humbling experience. And and also, you know, we we love everything that flies. But getting to be that close to full-scale aviation, um, I, my wife was laughing at me. She's like, this is your Disneyland. Because everywhere you looked, there was something that was inspiring, just something that was amazing. Um, Every aspect, it was a great. And and also, a lot of my fondest memories are with my dad going to Oshkosh. So Mm. I immediately pulled pulled, uh, my family in every direction to recreate every memory going down a different every different field and uh it was really precious and, and Austin, huge shout out to you um normally when we go to events if i run people i run them to the ground and kill them and uh you came up with an awesome schedule that gave everyone family time we, we brought our spouses and kids 
Yeah, we had what like uh, over a dozen people there. It was yeah. maybe four, mm-hmm. fourteen or something like that. So we had a really we had a good group there. Three RVs. Yeah. And uh, and that was that was really great to actually it, was, it felt as much of a vacation as uh, as a work trip and that was a real blessing and uh, yeah wow so what was your favorite part about it um, I mean just the just the event you know in general is absolutely incredible you know they you know have awesome air shows there they uh, do a night air show there as well um, and it's just a you know it's just just an amazing event um, I really liked. Um, uh, uh, just where we were positioned because we all we all spent a lot of time in the booth and yeah. we were in something that's called Aviation Gateway Park um, and that's where they <laughs> held uh, there was a drone center there um, and that's like basically a, a big pavilion that's all dedicated to like drone companies um, and to uh, people that were selling quadcopters and that sort of thing which was uh, that was a neat building um, and then beside that was the uh, was the forums uh, area where they do a bunch of talks and do a bunch of like educational type stuff um, and then we were right beside that in what's called the Innovation Center. And the Innovation Center was basically um, people that were innovating in some way in aviation. Um, so that their uh, WIP Aviation was there, which I think we're going to have an episode about that. The, uh, the, the full-scale surfboard, wingboard basically, thing. Basically, you know, we were like, oh yeah, this, this flying behind planes thing is impossible. Uh, of course, we're dead wrong. Yeah, uh, right. Aaron, I believe his name is, right? Mm-hmm, yep. Um, and his wonderful wife. Uh, he's developing a wing that is remarkably stable and people will be able to do it and it's already in full scale format it's been flown in the wind tunnel this guy is serious and yeah. uh, he's also yeah you mentioned we got to do an, an episode um, he's going to be gracious enough to, to donate uh, basically a scaled down plan that we can share with community to make a tow behind that's cool and that'll be that'll be really exciting yeah there's a lot of great uh, great innovative um, companies I think we were beside uh, NASA there in the innovation center and um, it was just a really, it was a, it was a great spot to be in. Yeah. And uh, we had pretty much constant traffic. We built, I don't know, maybe 1,200 ventures, mm-hmm. um, the little uh, gliders that we have. Um, it's a quick build. It's like a couple-minute build. Um, but we, we put tons of kids and, quite frankly, a lot of adults <laughs> through, yeah. through that and built a, built a ton of ventures. Um, and uh, it was really, really well-received. One of my favorite parts, and I was really humbled, is how much flight test has entered into the full-scale realm. And a big part of that has been ushered in by, I call them flight test kids, they're not kids anymore. But we've been around almost six years, and the, the young men and women that got into the hobby early are now past high school into college. And uh, got to, to meet up with a wonderful gentleman who's only 20 years old and had his commercial rating. And so he got in the hobby, got in the full scale, got a commercial rating. I'm 38 years old, and I'm still working on my private. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that right. Is, that is inspirational. He about had me to tears how these young men and women have really just jumped in head over heels and, and followed their passions. And, and really that's where I like to see flight tests go is we love everything that flies. And no matter what your passion is, you know, within aviation, we want to make sure you can get there. But to see kids uh, take it the extra step and, and do it to that level really makes you feel good. And uh, it's a special thing. So that was that was nice. And uh, the ultralight line uh, I dragged my family down to. My dad and I would <laughs> sit there for hours and just watch ultralights take off and land. And now they have stall aircraft, uh, short yeah. takeoff or landing, using that field. And these these planes have wing or uh, wheels that are about three feet high. It's just ridiculous. That, that's insane. And they give it the power. The tail goes up, and then they rotate. And within maybe three body lengths, they're climbing out like a rocket ship. And that's so cool. I, I saw they had a stole landing competition too. They did. I, I, I didn't get to watch it, but they did. That's pretty cool. And uh, do you guys? Uh, I think we all got to watch as a group. Uh, they have, Josh, do you know what pair wings are? 
A para what? A para wing? No. A para wing is basically a, a parachute, and then you have a motor on your back. Oh, cool. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, they had a group that did their first demonstration ever, first air show ever. They killed it. It was awesome. It you guys was, were insane. Yeah. They, they had two, and, and at first I thought, okay, someone drifted from the ultralight line because it was right before the Warbird demonstration and the night show, and all of a sudden they're up there high, and I'm like, okay, that's not supposed to be there. There's F-16s. You know, these guys are, are doing something unsafe. You know, something weird's going down. <laughs> no, they're just getting ready for the next show. And uh, these two brothers would actually, Josh, they would spiral down, and as they were spiraling down, they were touching their canopies against each other. So their bodies were on the outside, the canopies were on the inside, and they had such control, they were actually touching each hmm. other. And they were flipping end over end. But the, when the group of, what, six or seven of them? I think six, yeah. six, six, yeah. They would stack up. And they would just walk around. I don't know. It was one of the most mellowing things I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't even really understand fully how they did it. But, yeah, they would basically touch canopies and then spiral um, like a maple leaf or whatever that is. Or uh, uh, maple seeds or whatever that just, like, helicopter down. Helicopter thing. Yeah, but, like, full speed. Like, just free-falling. Wow. And uh, and it was, like, there was a couple times where, like, no, stop that. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) don't do that. Don't do that. Be careful. (laughs) They were very engaging, but it was—they uh, were flawless. I mean, they their whole their whole thing was awesome. Yeah, Mountain Community there was pretty humbling too. A lot of people came out and we got to, to fellowship with them. Friday night we uh, had a little impromptu at Pioneer Field, model flying. Mm-hmm. Um, every night, I think at seven a.m. or seven p.m., they would allow us to fly at Pioneer Field. Which, by the way, uh, if you guys go to Oshkosh, check out Pioneer Field. It is amazing. It's a, a little grass strip. And they have these old antique hangars and beautiful antique planes. But tucked back in there um, is one of the coolest little hangars. And it's, it's uh, Bernard Petenpole's original hangar. They actually sliced it in half and reconstructed it on the grounds. And hmm. he had one of his original Corvair Pete's built into it. And, yeah, I got nerd tears. <laughs> I was totally geeking <laughs> out. He almost liked super cool. the hangar. Yeah, I, I, I hugged the hangar and gave it a little kiss and, and thanked Mr. Bernard for his contribution and why I'm in debt. And uh, and then they escorted you off the premises. And uh, actually, that was actually, the end of your Oshkosh experience. I, I thought I was doing it secretly enough, but it wasn't. It, it was probably filmed and photographed, and will be leaked shortly. <laughs> it's on Facebook. But, but it, was, it was really cool to see. And, and Bernard was truly an inspirational gentleman. Uh, a lot of the things that we we uh, do with flight tests, you know, simple, affordable, quick, cheap, um, early successes. He had them in mentality, but with full scale. And the way he applied it in real practical knowledge, even looking at his hangar, he, he didn't do three-piece wings. He did one-piece wings, and rather than having the difficulty of having four of his buddies, he made a little wire winch, and it was still there to that day. And to see such a small area, but every corner was utilized in a way where he built over 20 planes in that wow. one mm-hmm. little hangar. That's awesome. I, I believe it was not one hangar, but uh, well, cool. And you didn't, have, uh, you didn't have your airplane there at Oshkosh, but you most... People may not know this, that you actually have an airplane now. I do, I do. And I do. it may or may not be a Peton pole. It may. I think it is, actually. <laughs> like, it's been verified, confirmed. Yeah, if you guys see me while I don't spring in my step, I got to fulfill a long-time dream. Uh, thanks to the blessing of my wonderful wife uh, giving me permission to do this. Uh, I own a Peton pole air camper now, and uh, that is a plane that was designed back in 1928. And I have some dear friends in my life, uh, Frank Pavlika and Don Emsch, along with my old aircraft and uh, flight instructor, uh, Force Barber, but uh, in January uh, we made the decision to buy a full scale. I've been working on a peat and pull. It's about maybe 40, 45 percent done. Going slow, and, and work and family priorities are just that. They're priorities. So the reality is, it's going to be ten years before that plane ever sees finished. Um, and my wife and I agreed that we wanted to recreate a lot of the memories my dad impacted me with. 
So she gave me the blessing to use some of our funds to buy it. Now, the special thing is is the plan that we were able to get. Um, Frank, am I going too long on this? No, not I'm, at all. I'm just, no. I'm just spewing. I'm just looking one. at your levels. Just, <laughs> I, just, you know, I, f- I feel bad. I feel so self-absorbed sharing the story. No, this is um, amazing. Man. You're good. Cool. So so January, yeah, we made the decision to get that, and there was a couple of planes on Trail Plane that we wanted to check out, and Frank Pavaliga, uh, he's built five or six Pete's and um, restored multiple ones, and, and he has a fun story and love for them. So him and Don Emsch were willing to come out and travel around to inspect these because, frankly, I don't know what I'm looking for. Um, I know how to look and see, yeah, it looks good, but they really know it intimately. Sure. And uh, we drove to Iowa, and it was an uh, awesome experience. But a wasted trip. It was quite a lot down when we got there. The plane, I, I just honestly hope no one ever buys it. It was it was a death trap, and I think the gentleman selling it knew it. But we felt pretty defeated. You know, the pictures looked great, and the guy should go into you know be living as a as a photographer because he made a, a really rough <laughs> plane look really good. But um, on the way home, uh, Don uh, says, you know, I have a friend who knows a friend that heard that this one guy may be considering selling this this piece. Sounds legit. It sounds yeah, totally right, yeah. legit. Go on. <laughs> We're literally driving home. And I was like, well, I'm game. And he goes, well, here's the thing. I don't think this guy is going to sell it because it's Howard Henderson. And I'm, I'm not too privy. I know a couple of key people in the Pete and Paul families, but it's like, who's Howard? And he shared this story. And, and Howard was a gentleman that was very much like you and I, had a passion for light, passion for people. And Howard built, he restored Model A's, he restored, uh, he built a steam car. I mean, all these crazy, weird contraptions. But one thing he built was a Pete and Paul. And he at the age of, in his 80s, was flying all over the country um, oh. around people. And if you look back, it was built in 88. You'll see this plane, uh, even in, uh, in uh, AMA magazine, or I'm sorry, EA magazine, um, you'll see it featured a couple times. And um, this plane has a lot of history, but it's also been untouched and just flown for the past 28 plus years. And he's like, you know, the guy knows the history. It's going to be, it's going to be expensive. I was like, well, let's just call him. And I called this gentleman and, and everything was very pleasant. I was like, yeah, matter of fact, I am looking to sell it. Uh, but then he went to the history. So obviously he knew he had a very precious, well-recognized plane. And uh, th- we were very far apart on price. And I said, well, let me tell you what I can give you right now in cash. And, and he's like, yeah, you're wasting my time. And, and it kind of parted ways there. And, and I said, well, let me give you my number. You can call me back. And he said, trust me, I won't call you back. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Uh, three days later, out of the blue, he called me back. And we came to a number that we could we could agree on. And I was blessed to buy this beautiful plane. And... The weird thing is, originally I wanted a 0200, which is a 100 horsepower motor, electric start, balloon tires. Not because it's original. I wanted to fly the people, but I wanted it to be safe. And, mm-hmm. I, and I was really concerned about the safety factor, whether I could handle a vintage skid, thin wheeled Model A motor pleat. I ended up with a authentic 32 design, 32 wow. version Model A powered pleat. And we spent the next six months going through it and taking it back to totally original, just how Howard built it. So. There's no brakes, no problem. There's a tail skid where there was once a tail wheel, and the motor's been gone through very aggressively. And three weeks ago, three weeks ago, that sounds about yeah, right. About that, I got the solo. That's awesome. And man. yeah, there's a picture. We can't post pictures, can we? Not on a podcast, but yeah. I can on the article. Yeah, I'm holding the picture right now. <laughs> trust me. Um, he's lying. <laughs> it was a rough go. Uh, Frank Pavliga, like I said, he he's amazing. Um, he test flew this plane two or three times for me. Every time there was something a little weird, and the plane was really changed between the four owners, where the wing was rocked back, we had to make it make it changed for the CG proper. And but every time, and at one point, there's almost an engine out, and there's no backups on a, on a Model A. Uh, you have one magneto, no no dual magnetos, so you have one spark source, and when it's done, it's done. Um, carburetor, everything's from 1930s, and it's reliable, but it's also a little bit cantankerous. And um, 
He had an almost engine out about 100 feet in the air at the worst possible point. He didn't lose a beat. He immediately turned towards an open field to put down and he caught it, figured out what was going on, found a good RPM range to make it, and they flew for 20 minutes. Wow. Landed, told me all the problems, but he, during that time he put it through the stall test, put it everything, got the rigging, you know, everything was, was good. And then we fixed the engine problem and that's when I got to, to take it up. And, uh, you know, you, you have an idea what it's going to be like. Um, and it's been about 16 years since I soloed a plane, and, it, and the plane wasn't powerful enough to go up, but two, you can only really fly a single seat when I weigh 200 pounds. Um, but uh, to get to do that after all those years, it was emotional. And uh, you, you can actually, if you ever see the video, you'll see me yeah. praising God out loud, literally. I'm you not should joking. see his face. It is, <laughs> it is insane. <laughs> the but, joy just, it beams out. Oh, yeah. It was, it was honestly like, well, a special thing. When my dad got cancer, that's when he got me the project for the P for us to work on. So I had some emotional ties there. Sure. Frank Pavliga gave me my first ride when I was 12. All that coming around full circle. And now I have a tool that I can repeat those memories with my own kids with. It was just, I, I still can't describe it to this day. So... <laughs> That's I, awesome. Man. I don't want to be self-absorbed, but I want to share the experience with people. I'm sure we'll do a video or something about the whole journey. For sure. And, I'm uh, sure people would like to see it. My goal was that day we sold was to do a couple hops and accidentally just ferry it to Fury Field for Flight Fest. But <laughs> um, I had so much fun in the air, I, I didn't go away from Barber's, and I just flew the night away. And matter of fact, tonight, hopefully I'll put another couple gallons through. Nice. nice. Which will be next week. So. Let's go. <laughs> By tonight, I mean a week from now. All right, so sorry about the long-winded, self-absorbed thing. No, yes. I saw I saw the video, man. It, it was awesome. I mean, the video is basically just a GoPro pointing at Josh's face. Yeah. But to watch, <laughs> how long was it? Like eight eight minutes or something like that. Yeah. The flight was the first flight was about eight minutes long. To just watch uh, his face light up for you know an eight-minute video, just like. It really, it really just shows you like the passion that Josh has for for flight and just oh, the joy thanks. that he that he gets out of it. So it's, it's a cool video to watch. Well, when you see it, you'll see me looking real serious for about what, maybe two minutes of that. Yeah. yeah. And that seriousness <laughs> is because I knew there was an engine out and there was a critical altitude and distance you need to get to get a safe turnaround. And once that distance was hit, it was just like thumbs yeah, up. Yeah, I was a, I was. Screaming like a little girl. Bomb, bomb <laughs> joy explosion. <laughs> That's awesome, man. You can look for a Pete and Paul speedboat kit in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> Pete and Paul air, air camper. Yes, yeah, but yeah. Wow. Sidetrack, but yeah, getting to actually see the hangar was really special, and going through the EAA museum was real special, too. Did you get to go through the museum? I did. What was that like? I didn't make it there. Oh, it was so cool. Um, they had another course, they had another Pete and Paul, but my wife loved it, too. Um, Bert Rutan, is it Dick Rutan? Uh, Voyager pilot? I don't know, to be honest. We just happened to walk in when Dick, uh, yeah, I believe it's Dick Rutan. Um, he was giving a talk about his experience on the Voyager, which is, oh, if you guys wow. don't know, that's a piston-powered plane that flew around the world. Yeah. And, wow, can that guy tell a story. And nice. we were just glued, and, and all of us were just on the railing listening to it, and, and the way he brought you through every experience and stuff, and, and what they had to do to keep this thing from from basically going down multiple times. Wow. Was, was pretty touching. So, yeah, the museum was a, an amazing experience. Um, a lot of really rare planes there, a lot of restored, a lot of history. You know, Paul Perezny's planes were in there. The story, I didn't realize how much of the story around Paul Perezny and his love for people, too. He he flew and he loved flying, but it was always with people. It was always with uh, his crew that he flew formation with. So the museum is like a, is like a hangar, then? I didn't realize that. Yeah, oh, I my gosh. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I should have made it over there. Yeah, there, that sounds really cool. it's, it's a hangar attached to a hangar attached to another hangar. It's definitely not Dayton size, but... There's more planes packed on the walls, the ceilings, and the floors there. Oh, that's Everywhere cool. Everywhere you look, it's it's planes. And uh, very, very good experience for everyone, young and old. Um, we all really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was uh, that. was that. And then the Warbirds. Holy yeah. cow. 
Josh, this is next year we got to bring you because you have a love uh, for World War II, right? Right. And uh, the Warbirds were insane to get that close to these things and witness them flying together in formation. You just don't see that every day. Yeah, they had um, just so many. Like there's like, you know, normally like it's really cool when you get to see, uh, you know, a P-51 or a B-17 or something like that at an air show or whatever. But they're, I mean, they had... Uh, they probably had like fifteen like B twenty five Mitchells and yeah, like yeah. I, I didn't even know there were that many flying and there were you know there was that many there so it's really cool that there's and a lot of these are just private owners mm-hmm. and there's private owners that are you know main, main, maintaining and um, taking care and restoring you know really historic aircraft and yeah. uh, it's beautiful a, and, and it's yeah. my first time seeing those kinds of things like I was expecting like when we were going to the field I was like oh there's gonna be you know five ten fifteen twenty twenty five of these planes and then you get there and you're just like row upon row upon row in this massive field of any plane you could imagine essentially in the war on the warbird version you know you think flight's just a little over 110 years old 115 years old depending on which country you're in um that's pretty humbling to see what's been created that can feed the laws of gravity in in just basically a little over a century the variety the purpose the function you know the impact it's crazy. And, and speaking of impact, Josh, I want to I want you to share, if you don't mind. Josh has a passion project. He's been working. How long has it been for? Uh, it's, it's just been the last few months. Last few uh, months. Yeah, I, I started getting it together uh, at the beginning of this year. And uh, so I, I've always, uh, I've always like, had an interest in, in World War II. Um, really, like, the, the 1940s has always been, like, a, like, my favorite era. Like, if I could be born in a different time, like, I would pick that. Just, like, to, I just like the vibe, the vibe of, of a lot of it. But, um um, World War II has always been something that I've been really interested in, and I've always thought, you know, it would be great to meet, you know, meet the people who experienced this, uh, both, you know, overseas and here and here at home. Um, and uh, so I've always wanted to do that. At the end of last year, in December of 2015, um, a good friend of mine, uh, he had this uh, next door neighbor named Bob. Bob was like much older than my friend. My friend is my age; he's early thirties, but Bob was in his in his nineties. And uh, we always thought it was kind of funny because my friend his his name was actually Josh too, because there's a lot of us running around. <laughs> but um, so Josh and his neighbor Bob, they would actually spend like a lot of time together. So we thought, you know, that's oh, that's cute. Like you, you know, go out to lunch with this guy who's decades and decades older than you. That's cool. But they had a really good relationship. Um, in December of last year. Uh, my friend Josh posted on on uh, Instagram a picture of Bob and this great write up that he did about him because Bob had just passed away and he was he was real sad about it and everything. And within the description, he talked about how great of a guy Bob was, how good of a friend, all the stuff that he's done, and among many other things, uh, Bob was uh, he served in World War II and he was actually in the Battle of the Bulge. Oh wow! And when I saw that, I I thought, man, like all this time, like you know, I had somebody that has like you know that history and that those stories and that information that I could have easily gone to visit and um you know you watch I watch a lot of documentaries a lot of a lot of shows like uh, Band of Brothers and stuff like that which is really cool because they do the uh dramatization of what happened with the 101st Airborne but then they also have like little interview snippets with the men who lived it you know as they are you know in now times you know yeah um well, I do a little more research and find out that a lot of those guys, even though Band of Brothers just came out, you know, a little over ten years ago, a lot of those guys have since passed away. So at the beginning of this year, that really like 
took it from something that oh, that's something that I really like to do to something like man, I've something that I've got to do because uh, you know any anybody who who was old enough to serve uh, during World War II is now you know at their youngest early nineties you know right. and there's there's guys still living that are you know a hundred you know over a hundred years old one hundred ten years old um, and so that really put put a fire under me to really start actually putting action to that. Um, to me, it's just, um, to me personally, it's just an honor to be able to meet with somebody who, who lived it, no matter, no matter what their involvement was in it, uh, just to, to kind of understand what, what was it like to live in a world back then where, you know, we, in, in the United States, we have the privilege of living fairly peaceable lives and, and we don't really spend a lot of time wondering, you know, uh, if our future, if our security is secure. Um, but to live in a time back then where things were very threatened worldwide. Um, so just to kind of get, get their feedback on that kind of stuff. So what I started doing was just kind of like putting my feelers out there and social media and stuff to find out if there was anybody who had any kind of relationship, uh, with someone who, uh, served, um, in any capacity, uh, during World War II, and so that I could get the chance to actually uh, meet up with somebody and, and actually like sit down and talk with them and document their story as well. Uh, so as of now, uh, so far I've had uh, three uh, meetups. I, I started I started actually putting the meetups together about uh, two months ago, and so I've been able to meet with three gentlemen so far that have just been amazing. And the thing is, is that I'm. I'm kind of an awkward person as far as like, I'm not very good at just like, I don't walk up to people and be like, hi, my name's Josh. Like, That's why we're blessed with spouses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where my wife comes into play because she is the kind of person that can just walk up to somebody and establish a relationship. Uh, so what we did was we, uh, we went to the Memorial Day parade uh, in our town in North Canton. And uh, after the parade, they had a ceremony where the mayor of North Canton uh, did a little speech and everything. And then they had anyone who has or is serving um, in, in the armed forces uh, come up and say they, they took the mic around and everybody said, you know, uh, when they served and, and everything like that. And so I'm sitting there like like listening and, and, and figuring out like like what years this guy said, oh, I served from, you know, 19. 19- 30 whatever to 1944 and i'm like okay i'm like i need to talk to that guy you know sure. um so after it was over i just i we go up and, and i and i went up and i said hey, sir you know i just want to say thank you so much for serving our country um you know you guys are literally heroes to me and can i get a picture with you and so i got a picture and then like a, like a little kid i just like kind of like smile and like walk away you know well my wife she's like well don't you want to like talk like talk talk with him i'm like i'm like yeah but he's you know he's probably you know he doesn't probably want to do that and so and she, she's like stay here stay here and i'm like okay and so she like goes over and talks to him hey my husband like would really like to like sit down and like you know have lunch with you and just like really like just hear you know what, what your experience was like and so i'm like thanks heather and so and so there was another guy i'm like hey can you uh, can you go talk to him over there and we had like we had like lawn chairs that we had brought that we were like sitting in while, while the parade was going i'm like i'm gonna go pretend that i'm that i'm packing up the lawn chairs and you can go talk to him and so she did and so i got i got a couple numbers and the thing the thing is that that the process was the process was like kind of awkward for me and then and even like uh some of their family members um because a lot of these guys are, are older and they don't you know 
they don't answer their own phones. Like you, you have yeah. to call, like, you know, call my daughter and then she'll tell me, you know, what's going on. And so sometimes their, their family members are like, what, or, well, who are you? What, what, what do you want? And, and so, deal? yeah. So, you know, in our culture today, I can understand that it's, it's kind of like weird for like a random stranger to be like, Hey, I want to like have lunch with we you. want to sell them a home security system. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, um, but the thing is, is that once, um, once I finally got everything worked out with these guys and went to meet with him, you could tell they were just beaming uh, to be able to have somebody that sat down and, and just gave them all the time in the world. Uh, the one guy that I talked to, Jim, uh, he told me that uh, I was the longest uh, interview that he's ever given uh, by an hour. Uh, I think oh, wow. we, we talked for about two and a half hours, and he said that nobody has ever like sat and like wanted to hear you know, that much detail for that long of a time. And, and these guys, like they're, they're showing up to these meetings. Well, really it's a lot of them. It's me showing up because I have to go to, you know, wherever it is that they live. Mm. Um, but, but they're, they're prepared when I'm there because they're just so excited to be able to talk about it and and share it. Um, so they're, they're, they're coming with, with pictures and articles and, uh, the one, the one gentleman that I just met with, uh, two weeks ago, um, he, 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 I'm, I'm at his house and he's like, he's, he's sit right there, sit right there. And he goes over to the closet and he pulls out a, a, a German, uh, helmet. Oh my and, God. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. And then he, and then he told me to put it on and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yes. I, I, first, you know, my, uh, my, my wife was like in, in my brain and I could just, you know, she's very, a health conscious person. So like putting other, putting on other people's hats. Um, it's kind of like a no, no. Um, but I was like, okay. Cause he's telling me to do it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, when am I going to ever have a chance to do this again? Yeah. So I did. And after I put it on, he's like, yeah, when I got that, it had blood all over the side of it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Great. But, yeah. but, uh, they're just so, you know, they're so excited to be able to share. And, and, and the thing that's cool about, about their family members is that even though like they might be a little skeptical at first, every single one of them after, after I talk to them, they say, you, you just made his day. Like this, this is like the greatest thing for him. And, uh, uh, so it's, it's great. It's great for me. Um, because you know, I get to, I get to hear all this cool stuff and experience this cool stuff. Um, but a lot of them, they really, they really do appreciate somebody who, um, is really interested in what, what they've done and what they've been through. Um, so it's, it's, it's really cool. And so what I've been doing is, uh, what I've been doing is, is documenting as much as I can, and you know, recording uh, voice uh, memos on my phone while while they're talking. I'll just I'll just set it up and hit record, um, and then uh, what I've been doing on social media is just doing real simple write ups. Like, so I'll have a picture of, of of the person that I interviewed, and then just just a little bit about what they told me, and, and maybe just pull like you know a little bit of, of one of one story uh, that they share with me, so that you know, so that people can kind of understand. Um, just kind of the seriousness of what, of what they went through and that it wasn't like a small thing. It wasn't just like, you know, it's, it's something that, that truly affected our world and to this Hmm. day still has at a great cost too, at at a great, very great cost. And, um, you know, if only, you know, if only you can get the stories of people who had a hundred percent given their lives, you know, when they were, when they were over there, um, you know, how impactful would that be? Um, and you know, I, I think, I think as the generations go on, um, I think it's something very important to, to keep in mind. But as, as of right now, I think it's just so cool that these people are living legends that are still here. Yeah. And so I, that's why I wanted to act 
now because I wanted to act while there was still a good amount of, of them still here, a good amount of resources to pull and everything. Your wife's not here right now, so we can just do her work for you. Um, if there's anyone in the community that's related uh, or, or connected to anyone from World War II, I, I don't know how many World War II bets we have listening to the podcast right now, to tell you the truth. Right. But, um, but if you're out there. But yeah. if you're out there, um, Josh, would you mind giving us a way that they can contact you? Yeah, sure. Um, you can email me at Joshua underscore direct at yahoo.com. Yeah, I still have a Yahoo Rock, email rocking, address. Rocking the Yahoo. But, uh, you like know, hey, that's old school, man. I know. I don't, I, don't really, I don't really change unless I have to. <laughs> hey, spell, spell, out, spell out your email address. J-O-S-H-U-A. I almost had a trouble with that. Let me start over again. J-O-S-H-U-A underscore. That's the line. You don't have to spell out the word underscore. That's down low. Direct, D-I-R-E-C-T at Yahoo. Y A H O O dot com. Yahoo. Dot C O M. I was 100% going to ask you how to spell Yahoo. You saw that coming. Guys, um, Josh, I think that's amazing uh, what you do. And it's, it's it's so humbling. Uh, if you guys got to see Josh at Flight Fest uh, leading praise and worship, and then also mm. this. Uh, we are blessed with a friend that is probably one of the deepest individuals I know. And uh, we get to see a lot of your humor side. Yeah. We get to see your humor side on the front of the camera. But I just think it's so incredible um, what you're doing to record these stories because Thank every you. day, you know, one or two more are lost. Yep. And uh, yeah. I think a lot of times even families don't have that depth of the stories. Yeah. Um, because I think when you're closer as family, you know, relatives tend to hold, hold the dark definitely. side back. There was definitely some things. Um, uh, Mel, the guy I met with uh, last week, some things that he shared that he has not shared with his family. Oh, and, wow. um, you know, he, he had mentioned that the later in life, uh, that he that he gets, uh, the more that he thinks about those things, and it, and it shows that it's just something that is that that they're very proud of that to, to be a part of. And um, he shared some really heavy some really heavy stories with me, and there were there were times where uh, it definitely got emotional for him. And I and I'm not I'm not pulling. On anybody, I'm not trying like trying to like drag stuff out. I'm yeah. not trying to make anybody cry. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like gotcha, gotcha yeah. right. interviewing. I, I literally just just kind of set the stage and just ask questions that just kind of get things started and let them go from there. But he definitely shared some some very some very deep stuff and some some troubling stuff too um, that that he uh, told me that he has that he's really not shared with his with his family. So um, it's pretty awesome to be able to hear. Well. You know, Josh is obviously part of the flight test family, and we are doing more traveling than ever. And uh, uh, fortunately, we have the platform to be able to engage a lot of people. So beyond just being able to reach out to Josh, uh, anytime Josh is going to be traveling with us, uh, doing content uh, at expos, what whatnot, I want to basically make sure everyone knows that. So if there is an opportunity while we're traveling and you're with us, yep. that you can connect with people rather than saying, "Oh yeah, it's great, you're in California." Right. You know, um, if we're in California, I want you to have the freedom to be able to meet up and, and record those stories too. So. So, guys, I mean it. If you have a relative that's in World War II, um, if you guys can connect that, if they would like to share their story, I'd love nothing more than to see Josh Bell connect yeah, with them. that'd be amazing. Yeah, and I want to uh, thank you, Josh, for, for taking the initiative to do that is because that's yeah. something that's like, um, you know, people that, you know, are in the military of, you know, of, of any country now, I mean, that's people that are, that are saying, you know, I'll, I'll basically sign up to do anything. Yeah. That the country needs and but like especially you know in the world war ii era some of those people weren't people that signed up yeah, <laughs> you know right. some of those Definitely. people you know they had to do what they had to do right you know and uh it's probably um probably more therapeutic maybe than you ever even realize 
for them to be able to talk to somebody sure. about it that's interested and uh, you know not judgmental and um, supportive. Right. And that's probably like that probably means a lot, mm-hmm. you know, to the to the guys you've talked to so far. Yeah. It can probably really turn into like a very much of a healing process for people to get stuff off their chest and, for sure. and make sure that they're sharing those sometimes deeper and darker things that they have just bottled up for the last you right. know, many, many years. Yeah. feels like a love of country, love of family, you know, is something you always got to protect, but also the love of history. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they always have the class saying, when you forget history, you repeat it. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like a, a cute thing to say, but it, it couldn't be more true. And uh, we live in a time where we have all this information, all this stuff at our fingertips. But it is amazing how many people really don't dig deeper into history and and see what we had to go through to either maintain our freedom, give someone else their freedom, um, or or just protect you know the, the God-given rights we've been given. Yeah, and uh, it, it comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. And actually, probably a, a good place to to talk to some of those people probably would have been Oshkosh. Um, I didn't personally talk to anybody that you know was in World War II, but. Um, I did talk to a guy, I forget his name, but he was telling me a story that there was a, uh, there was a B-17 there that you could just hop in and just mm-hmm. basically crawl through. I think it was like for five bucks or something like that. Um, you could just crawl through the whole thing because a lot of the B-17 you do have to crawl through. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, he said that he sat down um, kind of like where the, uh, in the middle of the plane where the radar station is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of seats there, you know, for like uh, takeoff and that sort of thing. Um, but he said that a... Uh, a World War II veteran that wasn't radar operator sat down beside him. Wow. And he said they sat in there and talked for like 15, 20 minutes. Did he yeah. say, hey, you're in my seat? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, Junior. <laughs> that's my seat. That's awesome. And I just thought that was like, yeah. that's only at Oshkosh, you know. Wow. But, uh, that was, I thought that was really cool. So if you guys want to see Josh Scott somewhere, all you need to do is give him a couple of vets to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, right. I will be there. He will be there. Actually, I think uh, I heard that at the uh, MAPS Museum uh, here in, in Canton, uh, there's which is next weekend, but that's actually today. If you're listening to this yes. podcast, um, <laughs> they're doing a World War II uh, warbird exhibit. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, I'll definitely be there. Like planes are flying in and that sort of thing. Uh, there will be some some flying. Uh, you can actually. What I heard was you can pay to uh, to actually go up in one of the aircraft. So very interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's very cool. Very cool. Well, man, it doesn't seem right to go back to foam board yeah. after, after that. So what have you guys been flying lately? <laughs> what are you guys doing? So let's talk about swappables. What do you say? Power uh, Hey, you know what? Actually, we'll go something. Uh, at Oshkosh, um, Dan Sponholes and Keegan Sponholes, uh, hmm. amazing uh, father and son who designed the Bloody Baron mm-hmm. and uh, has been an instrument in, in flight test and, and really helped it go forward. If any of you guys have scratch built an airplane uh, recently, you'll see these amazing free downloadable plans. Dan has done every one of those. So uh, Dan uh, made a Bloody Baron, and uh, what we did is I had to travel to Texas one time, and I wanted a plane, but the, the arrow just kept getting damaged, and, you know, it's just too big. So uh, we shrunk down a Bloody Baron and put two motors on it from a cruiser, and it became now what they have named it called the Super B, FT Super B. <laughs> and we got to fly it with Dan and Keegan, and that's going to be coming out in the very near future. Matter of fact, probably about five or six days after this podcast. Awesome. And uh, I'm really excited about that. This little guy goes about 90 miles an hour. That's crazy. <laughs> and it's just Flat nuts. spins for days. Yes. So, you know, on a lighter note, there's a really exciting, fun build, fast, simple, uh, probably the easiest twin engine you'll ever build. 
mm-hmm. uh, coming your way soon. Well, that's what I know. It's really popular about the Bloody Baron and Bloody Wonder and some of those airplanes is that they're fast builds. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's what we saw a lot of at Flight Fest was yeah. people building Bloody Wonder, Bloody Barons because it's a durable plane. It's a great mm-hmm. little combat yeah. plane, yeah. and uh, they go together really quick. Um, especially if you've built any FT plane before, it, it goes together probably the quickest, um, except for maybe the Arrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, um, and I know that people are going to have a blast putting two engines on these things and just going crazy with them. Such a fun, easy plane. It was really cool because when he came out to Bloody Baron, Flight Fest 2015 was so busy. Uh, We never really got to do the full episode we wanted to 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 fully honor, you know, a community release. And if anyone doesn't know what a community release is, we design a lot of planes in-house, but there's amazing people in the community that come out and say, hey, I got this design, you know, I want to give it to you guys to put on our store to support Flight Test. So they're basically taking a product that the community celebrates and giving us the ability to sell that product. They don't ask for anything. They just want to keep flight tests going. And right now, you know, if you notice, we don't say thank you, Horizon, thank you, Hobby King anymore. You know, the stores are our engine to employ over 20 people now. Yeah. And uh, what a blessing. Uh, mm. But when someone from the community offers up their talents and abilities to keep us going, I, I just think that needs to be celebrated even more. And, and uh, it just shows the heart of our community. Yeah. So uh, we got to fly that, and hopefully this episode will do them a little bit more honor, uh, letting us take their design and kind of smash it up a little bit and put a fun <laughs> twist to it. And I, I think the name FT Super B is such a cool name. That's yeah. Awesome. Unless Dodge sues us. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, uh, I, think, I think people will really like it. Looking, yeah. looking forward to it. So that, that's an update coming soon. Uh, you know, technology-wise, what, what else is out there? Uh, a lot of really good stuff with HD downlinks uh, for race quads. Yeah, we're going to be testing... Um, uh, the the Connects Pro site we still got to throw that on something. Um, it's uh, man, it's so fun flying HD. I mean, it's it's just, honestly sensory overload though. Yeah, <laughs> it really it's kind of it's kind of surreal. Like it's mm-hmm. like um, it feels right. <laughs> it just feels it right. feels right and wrong because suddenly you realize wait I'm looking at the blades of grass as I'm flying by them real yeah. time, and it's just something about that really messes with your head. Uh, the gentleman, what was his name? Um, who we were playing. It's escaping me at the moment, yeah. But he's like, say something. I'm like, I I can't. There's so much going on in my brain right now. It's just like, you know, visually, I was flying around and said, saying, I'm going to fly around that white thing that's sticking up that looks like a flag. And it's like, okay, there's a linear flag. There's the origin flag. There's, you know, flight test flag. You could read them as you're going by. You could see the rose and the grass and the weeds as you're going by. It's just, it's so hard to describe how much information you saw. And, and for once, you saw the limitations of the goggles, not the limitations of the transmission video mm. or transmitted video. Mm. And that's pretty wild. If that's going to become the new norm and no static. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, for us newbies like me and, and now Josh is not so much a newbie, but um, give us a little insight on what, what it's changed into now uh, compared to what it was. Or what that pro site is. So <laughs> sorry, I was just messing with Josh. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so Connex is the name of the company. Connex. Connex, and they have uh, they've come out with some HD transmission stuff in the past, and that used to be their specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just a couple of years ago, people started making their technology fly, and so they've been working on getting it smaller and smaller and smaller to to make it more appropriate. Now for, it's just at ridiculous levels. Yeah. If you guys want to imagine, imagine a hand sticking up and every one of the fingers on the hand is an antenna. And I guess I'm going to do my non-engineering explanation, but what it sounds like they do is they take a transmission and get the zero latency. Um, they take this transmission and break it into basically like five. And I'm probably totally butchering this. They're going to kill me. Um, but they send all this information down through these five channels. You have this receiver that, that picks up and through, through diversity, there's two antennas on it and it, it stitches it back together at a facility. When you get, mm. when you get just, uh, just 
uh, interference. It, it almost pixelates more than mm-hmm. it gets static. Right. And uh, it's still a very clean system. And for race quads especially, um, you know, my heart belongs to the fixed wing. I, I can't wait to get this on the thing, truthfully, on a fixed wing rather than, than a race quad. But the problem is, is it's only really entertaining for the pilot. And watching the downlink, you know, it's kind of garbled, kind of rough. You know, it's, it's very hard to give people that full experience. With this HD link, I think it's going to really change how well it can communicate how exciting this because people will be able to really see that big picture experience going through things. Well, and a big part of FPV flying with analog, you know, with static and break up and just the, the things that come along with that, you know, a, a big part of being a good pilot is just being able to uh, stay calm. Not freak out. <laughs> Did not right. freak out when you, you know, can't <laughs> see stuff. Um, and just kind of trust that, okay, my quad was there, I was pointed this way when I got static, so that means I'll be over here when, you know, there's not static anymore. So, but with uh, the safety down, like, you just don't have that. You yeah. just, you see exactly where you are the entire time, and you know exactly where you're going to be, and um, it's really, it's really yeah. interesting. There's a new goggle coming out that's going to be a perfect sister ship to this HD link, and I'm going to butcher the name, but I know you'll get it right, the Avant. Oh, the, the Avagant. Avagant, that's yeah. it. I always want to call it Avant, but... Uh, <laughs> It looks like a pair of Bose headphones. I think you even wear them like headphones and use them like headphones because it has a good sound system, but then you rotate it 90 degrees, and it actually, there's no screen. It projects into your head, um, through your mm-hmm. eyes, into the back of your, your eye sockets. That so when sounds you feel, intrusive. It, yeah. <laughs> it's very violating. Oh yeah, it's, it seems so wrong, but it feels so right. Um, the, the crazy thing, though, is, is suddenly when you line these things up with your pupils because you can slide it back and forth and it shines into your eyes, uh, it's almost like it takes you to that world. You don't see like pixeled resolution like you're looking at a screen. You see the image. Hmm. And they showed it last year in its earliest form on a Inspire. And it was like suddenly like you're sticking your head somewhere else and, and witnessing that. And the pan tilt and everything was working with it. But seeing that, uh, I think they were with Lumineer um, in their tent and putting it on in its final form is beautiful. And the price point um, is going to be cheaper than Zeiss. So I can't wait to see what these goggles coming in the market are going to do. And now with HD downlink coupled with an HD true visual thing that's not based on a little OLED, um, which is organic LED board, um, it's going to be a pretty pretty awesome experience. It's going to be interesting to see uh, uh, lots of different um, companies, you know, start to uh, you know catch the HD wave, you yeah. know, and, and have true HD goggles. It's going to be interesting. It's yeah. going to be. Interesting times we live in. Interesting innovations, for sure. I like, I like racing with quads and everything. It's cool to watch for a little while, but I really love watching wing racing, and I love watching fixed wing. And I really think that as much as going into quad racing right now, if you can come out with a little tiny wing, visually it's just so beautiful. Yeah. You can, you can, everyone looks different. Um, Shane and Heather McDowell, I got to spend a weekend with them, with my wonderful wife, and just seeing the, the crew kind of get together and... and I don't know. It, instead of being a real small area, you can see these planes come a long way. The noise, the sound, the way you can follow them. It's just, it's kind of like flying art. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really excited to hopefully see that kind of get bigger. And the HD link for that world will be even even special as well because that will give them the ability to get tighter, closer, um, you know, more accurate. Yeah, it's going to be cool. It's awesome. Well, good. Josh, last time, Joshua underscore direct. Yes, sir. <laughs> At yahoo.com. At yahoo.com. Yeah, might, might as well be AOL.com. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, That's please reach it. out and uh, and look for more of Joshua, too, on content. Uh, you've been so gracious to move your schedule around to be able to be on more episodes, and Woo. really, really appreciate it. Happy to do it. Awesome. 
Awesome. Is this the end of the day? This is the end. This is the end. End of next week. The end of next yeah. week. Tune <laughs> in next time. Yeah, man, time for flies. Well, you know fun. what? It's crazy. We, I think all the, the the craziness is over. In two weeks, we're going to be in Massachusetts. Yeah, that's true. Flug ta. What's that mean? To fall to your death? No, no. That's just day of flight. Yeah, flight day. Close. Nice. So Friday, Friday, fun day. You know, Friday, Friday. We we are we were cordially allowed to be participants in the flug talk. We're going to be collaborating with Rotor Riot. Uh, at Massachusetts, and we have roughly a week and a half to build a plane. And uh, yeah. we got a really great new hire. Uh, matter of fact, a lot of you guys who went to Flight Fest, you'll see a gentleman that was working his tail off through the whole event and even stayed Working his, his ponytail off. His ponytail off. <laughs> Boom. You know, we That's finally, what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm now the baldest one in the group, and Alex Ooh. no longer has the longest hair. Right? Um, it's crazy. crazy. Things it are is, changing. Yes. Crazy um, times we live in. Chad Lewis has come into the Flight Test family, and uh, if anyone has saw on some of our periscopes this beautiful painted Kraken, uh, Chad's going to be teaching us a lot about, now that we have water-resistant foam that lasts a lot longer, um, he's going to be teaching a lot about finishing techniques and also around the shop helping us build planes, making them more beautiful, more inspirational. So look for a lot of content from Chad as well. Uh, we're really excited. I mean, it, it's kind of nice to bring more people in the family. Yeah, yeah definitely. And uh, we're, we're eager for that. So He's literally in the and, process of, of uh, helping us build <laughs> yeah. for the flip oh, right now. Yeah. It's well, awesome. I, I came in to the door. I, I built a 12-foot <laughs> box bar. And the wingspan on this plane is 24-inch uh, foot. And uh, in my basement, I had this 12-foot box bar built. And I had the rib template made. And I'm like, man, I need to cut this out. I'm like, wait a minute, Chad. And Chad. he is just... Slaving away, you know, cutting right these, now, hand cutting these. He's literally got at least four of them done. Quite, I know the, that for quite, sure. quite the first day of work, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> immersion uh, <laughs> through fire. But uh, got him. so, Josh, after this, you and I get to just slide them on, and after yep. we're doing all the hard stuff, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, that's what so we're going to capture on footage anyway. But uh, yeah, we're going to go to the food talk. Our goal is to uh, to win it. So if anybody uh, didn't catch what that is, it's the uh, it's the Red Bull Flute Talk. It's going to be in Boston on August 20th. Um, it, does, it does have a live broadcast. I'm not sure who it's through, mm-hmm. um, NBC or uh, ESPN or something like that. Um, you know, just a channel. Um, but, uh, one of those on, like, um, on the TV. They're like flight house, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> on YouTube. Um, but anyway, we're, uh, we are entered into that competition. So I believe there's a total of 15 entries or 20 mm-hmm. entries or something like that. Um, and we're collaborating with a channel you might have heard of called Rotor Riot. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to be building a huge uh, life-sized glider that yeah. uh, Chad Novak's going to hop in and sail to victory. What did you yes. say? Final Glide's going to get his final glide? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't say that, but I will take credit for it. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll give you the credit for it. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. We, we are not going for, you know, we're not going to be riding hot dog off a deck. We're going for flight, man. Yeah, I hope it flies. I hope it flies so. far. Especially since it's my design. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> That'd well, be the, really embarrassing. The, uh, the record was set by MIT. It's like almost 300 feet or something crazy like that. Uh, yeah, I'm um, hoping for second place yeah, on that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, even if we don't have the world record, we can win the event. Yes. I think that's a good goal. Are, are, we, uh, are we going up against MIT at this event? I, I don't think so. I, oh, I, don't, I don't. I think there's very few people that like actually do it multiple times. Yeah. Okay. So, so the goal here at this event will be to uh, to really do our best. But uh, we went kind of a Spartan approach. Um, let's take what the people back in the 30s and 40s did, and uh, and apply that. So hopefully we can we can do something really cool with common materials. Yeah. So August 20th. Check it out. Also, be Boss, keep your yeah. keep your eye on our channel because we're going to be releasing some videos on uh, the build and the yeah. um, the, the flight and <laughs> everything in between. So for that matter, we have two episodes coming out about Flight Fest. Um, yep. Actually, they've already been out, so if you haven't seen them, go back. And then um, this week, when you're hearing this, should be the week that we release uh, our Oshkosh experience. Hmm. 
Awesome. So look for that as well. And Josh, thanks for being on the show, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Josh. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.